Warning, the following podcast contains discussion of the homophobic, the handicapped, and the Batman. For sensitive listeners, all offensive terms have been replaced with necromancer. Confessions of two men with nothing in common but an accent. I am James. And I am Matt. Yankees, Matt. Yes, Yankees. The natural predator. The natural <laughs> enemy of every southerner. Yeah, we've all heard of them. Yes. We've seen them in nature documentaries. <laughs> in their natural habitats of New York City, Chicago, and Miami. We've all seen that documentary series, Seinfeld. Yes. Uh... They were just they were just so wonderful, weren't they? That camera I don't see how that camera crew made it out there. They were so you know? cute. Yes. It's like watching Meerkat Manor. <laughs> oh yada yada yada. <laughs> and speaking of Yankees, uh have you yourself ever heard of the term carpetbagger? I have, Matt. Tell us more. For those of you who don't know, carpetbagger, the term sort of originates from the post war era of the South. When uh the South was broke and in tatters, and these people from the North came down uh, looking to exploit the Southerners and make as much money as they could off of the South. And they called copper baggers because they they wore they they carried these big bags that they looked like the prints looked like carpets. And since then, like the term has become kind of um, in relation to, like I said, Northerners who come down south to try to make a quick book. You know, whether it be through coal mining, uh, industrial stuff. Stand-up comedy. Yeah, trying to take advantage of supposed Southern ignorance. And I think it's kind of fitting that, you know, we're only a few episodes into this podcast. But it's been a smashing success so far. And as with the case of, you know, any other thing, when something becomes successful in the South and North, try to get their grubby little hands on, over it. And it seems that today we ourselves have a carpetbagger present among us. Today we welcome to the show our favorite Yankee, our resident carpetbagger, Mr. Alex Koch. Uh, thank you. I I don't want any special treatment. Boo! Why do you want our oil, Alex? <laughs> Why do you want our oil? It's so rich and flavorful. Just <sighs> We put it on fried chicken. We want to drink it. Wasn't the BP disaster enough, Alex? Why do you want more? It's never enough. Damn Yankee. The tears of a seagull. The tears of a seagull. I want to see the tears of a southerner. Never. <laughs> the only time a southerner has ever cried was after we lost the Civil War. And we only cried hot sauce. That's exactly. <laughs> that's, why, that's why Robert E. Lee had a heart problem. He would cry hot sauce and <laughs> dabble his chicken in it. Delicious it's serious sauce. heartburn. Fun fact. All hot sauce that you use now came from Robert E. Lee. He just stockpiled that shit. Yes. His heart was broken after you know, his army lost the Civil War. He just went to his mansion in Virginia and just cried buckets of hot sauce for the rest of his life. <laughs> it came from his body. You hope you're happy, Grant, you asshole. <laughs> you shattered a nation, but you gave rise to an industry. <laughs> Did it really shatter a nation, though? 
Well, it wasn't a good nation that shattered. Yeah, it was still its own country, asshole. Sovereign <laughs> country. Confederate States of America, we will come back someday. So Yankees, Matt. <laughs> yes, Yankees, those vile abominations. You know, the country would be so much better if it wasn't for them. Oh, yeah. So Alex. Yeah. <laughs> Me as the damn carpetbagger. Yes. Tell the good people at home where you hail from. Oh, I hail from the great state of Indiana. Hoosier Land. Yes, Hoosier Land. The northern boot. <laughs> but um, there is a small caveat, you know. You've told me many times whenever I've called you Yankee that you were, in fact, born in Kentucky. I was. Louisville, Kentucky. Yes. I was born in Louisville, Kentucky, June 8th, 1990. Alex, my brother? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> But this comes back to something I've often talked about, uh, and something I think we'll probably get into as we go on with this show. But just because you were born in the South doesn't necessarily make you Southern, I think. You know? Maybe Southern... <laughs> I feel like that's a backhanded compliment. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying that there are people that I've met from like the North, born in like Pennsylvania, moved down South, and whereas more, they were more Southern than I am. They were, you know, hardcore. Um, yeah, like I said, we'll get into it, but to me, it always felt like Southern, Southerness, or to be a Southern, to be a Southern person. To be South. To be South is to be, you know, like I said, not necessarily, it's not, it's not necessarily a geographical thing sometimes. Right, some, right. It carries, yeah, like so, it carries over, like, no matter where you are. Exactly. Yeah, what you're saying is being Southern isn't in here. It's in here. If I knew where you were pointing, I would agree with you. You don't want to know where I'm pointing. I just assume anus. Well, you always assume anus in any conversation. I mean, to be fair, it is southern. Mm. <laughs> Very true. But yes, I hail from the great state of Indiana, where basketball is the nation's pastime. It's <laughs> <laughs> a strange alien world where people care about basketball. It is, really. And the majority of them people that care about basketball are white, which I always found. To be astounding, because down here it's about the exact opposite, you know. You're in the land where Larry Bird is king. <laughs> Just statues much, to yeah. him everywhere. Yeah, it has a lot to do with it. I've, I've heard, I don't know, maybe you can bait this up, but I've heard it for a fact in Indiana, if Larry Bird comes up to you and wants something, you have to give it to him. Oh, that's, I would imagine that's completely true. He invokes Prima Noctra. <laughs> I want to flower your wife. <laughs> he, he's been known to go to weds and steal brides. <laughs> From the grooms. With his horse, Michael. <laughs> but yeah, Larry Bird is like the God figure, and Reggie Miller is like the Jesus figure. Would LeBron James be Satan? <laughs> Pretty much. He he turned on us. He was a fallen angel. Um, But uh, when we were getting ready to do this, you know, we invited you on as a guest. One of the reasons why we were kind of interested in bringing you on is... You've mentioned that even though you're from Indiana, you know, a place that's very much northern, you've you've mentioned to us a few times that you've uh, you've encountered you know cases of southern or what you would consider southern behavior. Yeah, I mean, I could be completely uneducated when it comes to the subject because, as you know, I am very much northern. I'm sort of the outsider to this entire thing that you've got going on here. Whatever it is. This thing we have going on here. We can't describe um, it either. No. 
But um, yeah, I've often said that Indiana is the most southern northern state that exists. Like it's 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 almost like you look at Indiana as a culture, and it's almost like two faced. It's just like split right down the center. It's like on one hand you have Indianapolis and most of the northern parts of the state, and it's like sort of a metropolitan place. You know, it's it's what you would expect from modern society. Then you drift <laughs> further south, you know, where, where I live. Where you were banished. <laughs> it's red next as far as the, the eye can see. What you're described sounds like the weird polar opposite of Florida, where it's technically <laughs> yeah, the southernmost yeah. state, yet it's not the south. Yeah. Except like, for the yeah, very top. Yeah, like in Florida, like I was considered like Florida once you get south of Tallahassee is when, you know, you start getting into Yankee territory. Nobody considers Miami the south. No, uh, uh-uh. so yeah, um, is, is that all you got? Pretty much, Jesus. pretty much. I, see, look, I knew, I knew it was about it to bring you on. I, I know we'll really get you talking. If he existed, would Batman be southern? Batman is the manifestation of northern, because oh, you know when, when you think of it, he's rich. He's a rich white man. Yes, which okay. Do you not know what the South was full of prior to the Civil War? <laughs> Yes, but you see, Batman also is a control freak. He took yes, over. yes. And <laughs> what do you think slavery is? Yes, exactly. Come on. <laughs> so you're saying that if Batman existed, he would own slaves. I've got you on record. And then, it. and then move up to the north. Wait, 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 what do you think that Alfred was? Honestly, <laughs> he called him Master Bruce. Well, Master. he wasn't a he. Alfred wasn't a necromancer. Not in this continuity. But we're talking about a hypothetical continuity where Bruce Wayne exists in pre-Civil War South. Why can't you wrap your head around that? Yeah, you think there'd be some posh English gentleman attending to him? Nope, it'd be a black guy, a black illiterate man who was called Al. That's how it'd be, all right? <laughs> That's your hero. <laughs> who tends to his wounds. <laughs> Lord, Master Bruce, I don't know how to do none of this here medical work. Do it anyway. Yes, sir. And Batman... Promptly dies. <laughs> Al gets his revenge. <laughs> He's set free. He becomes uh. Batman. There's a black Batman. <laughs> yes. Now I want to see that as an Elseworlds story. Just black former slave Batman tearing shit up during the Civil War. <laughs> Robert E. Lee is the Joker. <laughs> He's played by Jamie Foxx. <laughs> I would watch that movie in an instant. <sighs> You're not the only one. So, Alex, uh, what's your family like? You got any brothers or sisters? No, I'm an only child, which makes me kind of unique uh, between the three of us, I would say. So you're a mama's boy is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, I'm a bit of a mama's boy. Um, She's in the room with you right now, isn't she? (laughs) She's telling you what to say. Watching my every move. No, no, I I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. I swear. I I, I swear. But um, (laughs) – Oh, God, mother, blood, blood. (laughs) But yeah, that's actually very true because my dad um, actually isn't in the picture anymore. Um, I've lived primarily among my mother's side of the family for, I guess, ever since I was five or six. I mean, what else you want to know, really? Well, <laughs> You're so defensive. What, what about your blood type? I want to know your blood type. Give it to me. <laughs> oh, wait, that's right. You're a Jehovah's Witness. You don't know about none of that stuff. <laughs> Yeah, that's another fact about my family. Uh, most of them are actually Jehovah's Witnesses. Dun, dun, dun. This is something that I found kind of interesting because I don't know about you, James, but 
here in my part of the South, the only people who are Jehovah's Witnesses are black. I've never encountered like a white Jehovah's Witness. What's weird is I've never encountered a Jehovah's Witness, but we have like Jehovah's Witness centers all yeah. over the state. Yeah, there's like three kingdom halls, but then like a 15 mile radius of my house. I'm getting kind of nervous. They're encroaching, you know. We're, yeah, we're coming every, for you every day. <laughs> They're the Illuminati. <laughs> it's only a matter of time until we capture him. I mean, they took out the Harry Krishnas. You haven't seen those guys in forever. Exactly. What we do is we make you one of us. It's like you go in kicking and screaming, and by the time you go out, you you stonkly refuse blood transfusions. <laughs> I think you're their uh, sleeper cell, Alex. You think that you broke free, but you've been programmed like Manchurian candidate style. Oh, God. All you have to do is say a code word. Someone asks you if you want to play a game of cards. You just grab a <laughs> rifle and assassinate the president. <laughs> Mitt Romney. Ask me if I want to do the Pledge of Allegiance. I say no. Like, they want Mitt Romney to become the president just so they can take out the world's most prominent Mormon. It's <laughs> not all the competition's gone with the crazy Christian fringe religions. There's just Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons. <laughs> Pretty much. This is like a portrait of the future. <laughs> I don't know. Whose side would you be on in that scenario? <laughs> well, me personally? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if I trust Mormons. <laughs> I don't know. See, with me, Mormons have a certain romance to them. Yeah, they're like uh, they're they're Western Christians. You know, they're like if Christian if Jesus rode a horse, he'd be a Mormon. <laughs> like they're the most badass sect of Christianity. Exactly. I mean, look at their version of God. He has a physical body. Lives on a planet and fucks bitches. <laughs> yeah, but Mormon God didn't, you know, immaculately impregnate the Virgin Mary with Jesus. He came down from heaven and fucked her. Exactly. In front of Joseph. Yeah, he made Joseph watch. The angels held him down. He kept his eyes open. I have to say, you're you're kind of convincing me to join their side. Plus, magic underwear. Sold. <laughs> I always assumed that was that was just some kind of weird urban legend, but it turns out they actually do have underwear that you can buy at those stores that has like holy inscriptions written all over it. <laughs> I don't know why. You put them on and you can fly. <laughs> I mean, I don't I haven't seen any Jehovah's Witness stores around. Exactly. I mean, the Mormon Church has money on their side. They're in development. I, mean, I just think that the Jehovah's Witnesses have like they don't have money, but Whenever they knock on your door, they like make you their familiar in some way. <laughs> so all I have to do is like invoke an incantation, and all the people they visited will become zombie agents. Well, the thing is, we do have a way with words. Like we're honestly like the hostage negotiators of like the Christian sector. Yeah, um, I've had quite a few on my doorstep, and it's been a bitch to get them to go away. Yeah, they're they're pretty they're pretty strong in their fortitude. Yeah, I'm like, hey, I don't believe in God. Well, how do you know you ever given them a chance? Like, you you will be given a pamphlet. <laughs> yeah, I've been given many a pamphlet, only to ball it up in front of them and throw it over my shoulder. That's why they keep coming back because they sense that you've tarnished what they hold most dear. They've been monitoring you from their watchtower. <laughs> I knew it. I knew that was a literal title. <laughs> Oh, God, they're on to us. They're already on to us because they've got a sleeper agent. We're talking to a sleeper <laughs> agent right here. I mean, you, through these podcasts, you've been influencing people to convert to Jehovah's Witness just subliminally. I know I know how you do. God damn it. You sneaky Jehovah's Witnesses with your crafty Jew brains. 
So Yankees, Matt. <laughs> yes, uh, Yankees. Um... Now, I've had very little interaction with people who are from the North. Mm-hmm. Alabama, I don't know how it is in Georgia or South Carolina. Not a lot of tourism down here, as you might imagine. <laughs> no, I've had some contact. Uh, it's kind of amazing. Most of the people that like come to this area, they're um, older folks who you know they've spent most of their life up north, and they come down here to retire. Most of it's because I don't know how it is in Alabama, but like where you live, but like around here, like property rates are like really, really low. So you can buy a house really cheap. Um, there's been all kinds of people. Like I said, my hometown, like 1,100 people, like one of the smallest towns. You'll ever find, but these people from all over have just showed up. Like there was a family from Texas who came one time that you know I went to school with. People from like Pennsylvania. Um, actually, a guy I knew in high school, a friend of mine, uh, for a couple of years. He was originally from Indiana. <laughs> like you say that like he was gay or something. Yes. Like, I don't have a problem with Yankees. My friend just happened to be a Yankee. I had a friend who was a Yankee. Well, to be fair, we all know each other up here. Yeah. Let me. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you did know him. You don't know. His name was Chad. You know Chad? You know Chad, don't you? I know of a Chad. Yeah, exactly. What's Chad's? What's your Chad's last name? <laughs> I don't know of a Chad. Oh, you don't know of a Chad? You dirty old... See, that's what, I'm talking about. that's what the Yankees do. They'll trick you with their devil magic. They use their northern logic to confound yes. us. Dirty Yankees. But yeah, I have noticed that. There is some weird trend of old people who just... Want to move somewhere warm to die, and the ones that can't survive the trip to Florida end up in Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, it's like it's like you know, it's like you said they kind of they want them to go to Florida, but then somehow along the way, like ah, fuck it, we're close enough. They're like those ancient sea turtles that try to migrate back to their mating spots. <laughs> I think uh, speaking as a northerner, I think the mentality is that if you go to one of those states, it's less likely that you'll run. It run into someone who can spot you, so you don't have shame. No, well, it's just bad. As soon as like you know, if you're from the north, and you, as soon as you open your mouth, start talking like someone's like, "Hey, you ain't from around here, are you?" That's what is the classic response to anybody who's from the north. You know, you ain't from around here, are you? No, I'm not. Okay, all right, bye. I mean, it's not. Well, I mean, we're not. We we just we like to identify. Them. We don't really care about throwing them out. Right, we used to put tattoos on them, but stirred up bad images. It all said Yankee and giant words. There was yeah. a giant Y on their faces. The scarlet letter. Yeah, but I'm always astounded when I hear of somebody who moved from the north to Alabama. Like, just why? That just come and see nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm from the south, and I wouldn't want to go to Alabama. And I'm pretty sure you being from the south, you don't want to come to Georgia, so... Yeah, just it's not a place to vacation. No. Yeah, honestly, I've never heard anyone come up to me and say, you know, we should we should take a weekend and go to Mobile. <laughs> see the sights. I think people go to Mobile and they're just on road trips and they want to see the battleships and that's about it. My, my first interaction with somebody who came from up north and had for whatever reason moved here was this family that had moved here from the Bronx. <laughs> this was. Uh, a couple of years back, when my family and I were living in Wilmer. Now, the thing about Wilmer is, I've said a lot of things about Sims, but Sims is just fucking the Emerald City compared to Wilmer. Wilmer is just the absolute asshole of Alabama. I mean, it's it's like if an entire town was Mississippi. 
<laughs> oh my god. The actual, as we've said before, for those of you who want to be reminded, Mississippi is in fact proven to be the asshole of the United States. It's the asshole of the asshole. Exactly. Like the asshole. <laughs> like We're mi- getting deep. Like Mississippi is Alabama's Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> it's the south of the south. Exactly. Uh, so back then I was living in a pretty decent enough neighborhood. And pretty soon after we moved in, a new family moved in right across the street from us. The mother, father, a young girl, a girl my age, and a guy who I'm convinced later went on to become the situation on Jersey Shore. <laughs> I mean, this guy was GTS. What's that mean? Jim, Tan, Seaman, I don't know. Oh, really? <laughs> that sounds about right. Now, they moved across the street from us, and... At first, we didn't really interact with them directly because I have a family of antisocial shut-ins who fear strangers. <laughs> so we have that in common, at least. Yes, I think I think all three of us seem to have that in common. Yeah, that, like, that was one thing that was always a constant wherever we moved. My parents would not make friends with anybody yes. under any circumstances. These people are looking at us. I can't go to my car until they go back inside. <laughs> Why does it take them ten minutes to check the mail? What the fuck is this? <laughs> But uh, even though we didn't talk to them, we'd you know, hear things from like whenever we'd accidentally talk to neighbors. And we heard that they had moved here from the Bronx, which fascinated me because even the Bronx, that's still New York. You'd go from New York to Alabama. <laughs> they, it's like I mean, crossing a universe. They, they had it? to be in trouble or something. They had to be. They were must have been in with the mob or something. They had to be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't really make sense compared to a place like – well, Indiana or Michigan or something like that. Like, you can kind of tell where they would come down to Alabama or Georgia, but New York is like, it's like it's on like another plane entirely. Like the most New York part of New York. <laughs> and they decided to go to the most Alabama part of Alabama. <laughs> it's like going from the distant future to the feudal age. Now, because I'm me, I immediately got a crush on the girl who lived across the street. Oh. No. That's so sweet. Uh, I never spoke to her because, again, I'm me. Yes. But whenever I'd see her walking by, I'd momentarily think about going over to talk to her and then pussy out. Then go inside and cry. And you would instead stand on the lawn, pull your pants down, and jerk off while she walked by? I'm not a guy from Florida. I can't just <laughs> jerk off everywhere. You're not that talented. No, I can't multitask. Plus, if he's standing on his lawn, he has to be eating macaroni and cheese. Huh. Very true, very true. You can't do three things at once. And around that time, just a few months after we moved in, Hurricane Katrina happened. As you probably know, we have to deal with hurricanes a lot down here. Yes, like, it's a um, yearly thing. Yeah, and actually, matter of fact, a couple weeks ago, you had to deal with Hurricane. Hurricane Isaac, which I'm still convinced was some kind of cosmic vengeance for doing that Children of the Corn commentary. <laughs> <laughs> Download Pulp Commentary on iTunes. There's there's a Hurricane Malachi coming for you. (laughs) That's the wimpiest hurricane ever. Knocks over my mailbox. Outlander! Outlander. (laughs) That's something we have to deal with every year. And my parents used to get really, like, paranoid about it. Like, for hurricanes that were really nothing, we would go hop in an RV and go down to Mississippi for a week. Oh, God. That's the closest thing to a vacation I had for years was going to Mississippi. You would go to Mississippi as a refugee, (laughs) of all things. 
the one road trip that makes you appreciate the place you ran away from. <laughs> I guess the exact opposite of a vacation. I imagine that would be like an indie, like a Hoosier vacationing to Mobile. Really? Like, like I, I would imagine that's. <laughs> don't, did, I don't I, like did I offend you with that one? Don't don't just assume that you know Indiana's so much better than Alabama. I mean, it's really a front. It's one thing to maybe you know make that assumption, but to compare it to Mississippi, come on, that's just you, not, you went too far. Not all of us can have Indianapolis. Yeah, we can, <laughs> all can have nice little speedways. Uh, there I go with my carpet bagger ways, yeah. <laughs> making us jealous, casting pearls before swine. <laughs> but uh. Yeah, every time a hurricane would come down, almost every time, we'd go down to Mississippi and hide out and come back home and see if there was anything left of our house. For whatever reason, for Hurricane Katrina, we decided not to do this. The one hurricane that ended up mattering. (laughs) So the hurricane blew over, and we didn't really get much damage. The only thing that happened was that we were out of power for like a solid week. And in that week, we kind of bonded with the neighbors. It was like all the things that separate people and distract them, television, air conditioning, (laughs) all that was torn down, and all we had to do was look at each other. It was like the monsters are due on Maple Street. (laughs) You were forced to interact with other human beings. So we started talking to the neighbors, and we kind of bonded with the people across the street. Not at first, because on the first night without power... Their son and a couple of his neighborhood friends were making something of a commotion outside. And since the power was out, we could all hear them, and my dad was trying to go to sleep, so he decided his best mode of action would be to walk outside with a crank radio blaring an erectile dysfunction commercial. We've all been there. Below the Bible Belt, first class. (laughs) So that happened, but later on down the week we kind of got to know them a little bit, and they weren't so bad. I did find out that the girl I had a crush on was pregnant, which uh, bummed me out a little. Your uh, wistful gazes are just that powerful. I imagine you did it, but it was sleepwalking. Well, yes. here's the weird thing. That has happened three times in my life. I've developed a crush on a girl, then within months found out that she was pregnant. Wow. I am, like... so, I am so potent that <laughs> just wanting to be with a girl is enough to impregnate her. Your fantasies <laughs> alone. You actually have five children, you don't even know it. <laughs> but even though we bonded, as soon as the power was turned back on, they became our nemeses. Just for whatever reason, my family just despised them. Like, I don't know if it was like some weird tribal hatred because they were from New York, but just they were the cause of all the woe in this neighborhood. I mean, there was like nothing that spurred this on? Uh, like... Just, well, for one thing, they were incredibly obnoxious. Yeah, well, they're from New York. And one was, you know, the future situation. The future situation. Now, yeah. things began to disappear from the neighborhood. The sun got blamed. <laughs> and they didn't seem to like us very much either. And to make things worse, there was an incident one day with my sister where... I'll give you some backstory. My oldest sister has never driven a car in her life. To this day? To this day. She's never been able to drive, never learned to drive. But for whatever reason, on this day while she was visiting us, her husband decided he would teach her how to drive right now at last. Question, was he drunk? No, but he was possibly high. I assume it was my house, so the 
the musky cloud of marijuana smoke was in the air. Okay, because you know usually you know the season like that out in the blue, it's usually infected by alcohol or some sort of drugs. In his marijuana fueled gaze, he saw the the cartoon pig, and it was talking to him, <laughs> telling him to teach your sister how to drive. All buzzing. Now she gets in the car. He tells her, "Okay, just put your foot." On the gas. Like this, she slams on the gas, and the car's in reverse, so she goes backwards at like 60 miles an hour <laughs> across the street into the front lawn, just feet away from their house when she finally stops. That happens in the space of one second. <laughs> so, it's like your sister's SpongeBob. <laughs> it really was a SpongeBob moment. So everybody cleans the shit out of their pants. Runs across the street. My mom pulls my sister out of the car and says, never again. Never <laughs> a fucking again. And my sister has not stepped foot behind the wheel of a car wow, since. Wow, that's very powerful. Your, your mother also shut down the lights to the back cave. Never again. <laughs> I imagine your mom might put a curse on her. So therefore, she even got behind the wheel of the car, you know. So, she was almost guilty of manslaughter. Of an entire family. Who would not have heard her coming because this family was deaf. Your family made enemies out of a family of deaf people? Yes. That's what I was saying. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to put the rest of that in context (laughs) before I gave you that detail. Oh, my. My sister almost backed a car into the living room of a family of deaf children (laughs) in the middle of the afternoon. Now, saying that they were a deaf family wasn't entirely accurate. Now, the husband and wife were deaf, and the youngest daughter was deaf, but the son and the oldest daughter were not. Now, what always fascinated me about that was, how did the deaf man and deaf woman find each other? (laughs) Like, were they on a, a chat room? Well, obviously, I would think so, you know. Deaf wasn't on Skype. (laughs) <laughs> that was a low blow, Matt. Yes, well, hey, they had it coming. I mean, they're not orphans. Yeah, I don't know. They're almost as arrogant as orphans. You know? I, mean, I mean, it's not like they're ever going to hear it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I could say what the fuck I want to about it, deaf people right now. Unless one of you assholes going to do little sign languages. <laughs> well, Alex is transcribing all of these podcasts as they happen, aren't you? You bastard. <laughs> And you, it's, a work in, it's a work in progress. You're working with the deaf people as well. <laughs> I'm their sleeper agent as well. Secretly, all Jehovah's Witnesses are deaf. That's their secret. He, he just does a good job of pretending he's, he's hearing us. They say a code word and I lose my hearing. <laughs> uh, their oldest kids were like 18 and 19 respectively, so this so they met before the days of the internet. Yes. I was like, just wondering, was there a deaf convention? <laughs> but there were, I imagine the deaf convention would have like the worst music you could ever possibly have. Oh, you know, it's it's just people stomping. <laughs> they have all their subwoofers on the ground. People hitting hammers against <laughs> just, the concrete. Drums. <laughs> it has the unfortunate name of DefCon Four. <laughs> this is this is the episode I decided to guest on. <laughs> The secret world of the deaf. They have a whole booth dedicated to hearing aids. Marley Matlin shows up. She's the keynote speaker. Or keynote signaler. The keynote fingerer. 
That sounds a whole lot sexier than it actually is. To be honest with you. No, she's doing sign language. There's a guy behind her saying everything. <laughs> For the hearing able. <laughs> I did think that they look down on people with hearing. Maybe that's why they didn't like you. Those uppity people with their ability to hear. That family just did not like us. Remember one time, I was just sitting out, I think checking the mail, and the dad is in his car, drives by me, and he just turns to me and gives me drive-by eyes. Like It, it felt like a scene from Boys in the Hood. <laughs> like, he, like he mean-mugged you? Oh, yeah. Just eyes squinting, arm hanging out the window, just turns, drive-by eyes. You narrowly escaped death that day. I did. I was almost assaulted by a deaf man. <laughs> deaf death. And at this point, I knew that this guy could kick some ass because... One day, all of a sudden, just in the middle of the afternoon, I hear this loud yelling, honking noise. Just, arr, arr. I look out the window, and the father is on the front porch having a fist fight with his son. <laughs> and just, if you've ever heard an angry deaf person, it's the scariest thing <laughs> you have ever heard. It's like hearing an alien language, because they have no concept of sound. So it's just... <laughs> it's just emotion coming out of their mouth. And they are just fucking fighting dirty, in a way that would not be seen until the Johnson household. <laughs> Where the art of pair pulling would be effective. Now, his dad kicks his ass, and it's weird, he just kind of accepts it. Like, okay, you won that fight, and they go back inside. You're just stunned. I mean... Yeah, I mean, what do you say, really? Deaf fighting. I mean, just... I mean, that's, that's a lot to weigh on that deaf man's shoulders. I mean, thug or not, I mean, his daughter was pregnant. His that's, son that's, was stealing from the neighborhood. That's why he gave you drive-by eyes, because he saw his son in you. Or he thought I, mean, I was a bad influence. He was going to beat somebody's ass. He was, you, know, you were his son. so <laughs> Thankfully, he chose his son. Exactly. So, things were tense for a while. One time, the oldest son threatened to kick my five-year-old nephew's ass. <laughs> I mean, Because they were mean? being noisy, and my nephew walked outside and told them to be quiet. So he said, come over here and say that, you little bastard. Well... Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one thing that sucks about being raised by a bunch of deaf parents, you know. You have no context about what's loud and what's not. I mean, he threatened to kick my dad's ass at one point. He went all thug on him. <laughs> he was the one that actually inflicted Brooklyn rules. <laughs> he went up to their car, lit a piece of paper, stuck it in the tailpipe. He walked away, it exploded. They didn't hear it. <laughs> they didn't even know it happened until the next day. What the fuck happened to my car? It was kind of a shallow victory. <laughs> so it went like that pretty much until we moved. And when we decided to move, we stayed away from the house for a couple of days. And when we came back, people had broken into our house and stolen a bunch of our stuff. So that was our goodbye to that neighborhood that we had bonded with for one week. So the moral of that story is... I think the moral is, if you live in a neighborhood, cut off the power. <laughs> that too but a second less practical moral is 
a crisis brings out the best and worst in somebody. But regular situations, people are just shitty. And I would like another moral added to that. Deaf people are assholes. Yes, that's the main moral of the story. That's the only thing we can take from this. Deaf people and people related to deaf people are assholes. I want every deaf person listening to this right now to know we are watching them. Yes. Also, if you're a husband, never teach your wife to drive. (laughs) Exactly. Hey, hey, hey. You don't have to make it sexist. (laughs) My sister not being able to drive has nothing to do with her being a woman. What does it have to do with her being a terrible human being? Yes. I thought so. I take that back. No, I don't. (laughs) You're conflicted. Or you can agree with me, but say that your views, or my views, do not uh, necessarily reflect yours. You know, you agreed. I don't know. <laughs> the views of Matt Johnson secretly reflect the views of James Lewis and the Pulp Podcast Network. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, you were talking about situations kind of bringing out the worst in people. I was talking about the situation, yes. <laughs> the situation. <laughs> he is the worst uh, person. <laughs> Clearly, I mean, you threaten to kick a five-year-old's ass. <laughs> but um, you, you know, talking about situations bring out the worst in people. It's it's weird. Like when I think about um, how Indiana differs from the South, like from the sort from the uh, Southern states. I think what's really prevalent that you understand living in Indiana is that. We have prejudice, we have intolerance, but it's not towards race, you know. It's it's not towards, you know, people of another skin color. I mean, for instance, we didn't really have racism up here. We had, I mean, all necromancers are welcome, really. No. Well, you know, if, if you have hatred but not racism, that's kind of like saying, you know, you've got bacon, but it's turkey bacon. <laughs> I, I never said it was better. I never said it was better. It's just... We, no, we I'm, have, not, I'm not. I'm not saying this better. I'm just saying that you know, hate without racism is, like I said, like literally like having fake like tofu bacon. It's not the real thing, you know. And uh, that, well, wait. Well, wait until I uh, tell my story. You might disagree. <laughs> all right, go ahead. Um, most of my childhood, I had you know, I had black cousins by marriage. I had several black classmates. You know, black kids in my neighborhood. So there was really no sort of racism against blacks like i was never exposed to that and you know most of the population up here is actually going to be hispanic so there was really none of that either so you have them to fear (laughs) yeah we have them (laughs) white and black can team up against brown (laughs) but um we still have intolerance again not towards race but towards other matters um indiana is positively rampant in homophobia Ah, the Kmart version of racism. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Like like Matt said, I guess it really is kind of the tofu version. It's the, the Pepsi. Bacon. Yeah, like homophobia is something you do when you're building your way up to yeah. racism. Meanwhile, classism yeah. is like the mellow yellow. <laughs> like, it's still around. Nobody just acknowledges it. <laughs> it's like the RC cola. <laughs> but, um... It's almost like a black cloud over most Hoosiers that that case even exist. I like that you have the most racist comment ever made on this program. (laughs) Just just Indiana's being strangled by this black cloud, this black 
black African American cloud. <laughs> okay, okay, it's like a dark cloud. How about that? That's not better. <laughs> oh God! Say it's like it's like a homosexual cloud. There you go. <laughs> a pink cloud, if you will. A rainbow cloud. <laughs> it's like a rainbow cloud over most Hoosiers that gays even exist, or that they're even living among us. I mean, I, I imagine coming out of the closet down here or up here rather. Sorry, I, I was I lost my sense of place for a second. <laughs> That's what this show does to you. Up is down, <laughs> left is right. <laughs> I mean, I imagine coming out of the closet is akin to admitting to being a serial murderer because we have an abundance of rednecks, as I said, and several of them even take up most of my family. I mean, it's it's actually so bad that we even hate each other. Like, we're even afraid of each other because... There was legitimately one time when my uncle offhandedly – and keep in mind, my uncle is like one of the proudest rednecks you'll ever meet, like right down to his camouflage undershirt. <laughs> he was actually afraid of venturing into the northern sanction of Indiana. Like I said it's split into two – like into two equal parts. I was actually mistaken. It's split into like three parts. There's the metropolitan area in like the central Indiana – there's there's my section, which is the southern part, and then there's the north north, which is like redneck heaven, honestly. It's like, like it's bizarro south. Yeah, it, it kind of is, honestly. And, you know, he was afraid of going up there because he had to – like I think he was actually uh, out on a job or something, and he had to go to like one of the states that actually borders on the top of Indiana. And he was afraid of going there because – I'm not making this up – because he has long hair. <laughs> and long hair – this is an actual quote from him, by the way. Long hair could be mistaken as a sign of being gay. And he would be – and he said in his own words that he would be immediately shot. He genuinely thinks that. I thought you were going to say he was worried that he would be immediately sodomized. <laughs> He just goes there wearing a chastity belt backwards. <laughs> so if they he, see a man as beautiful as me, they won't be able to help themselves. <laughs> yeah, he, he's worried about his long hair. Never mind the I Love Cox t-shirt that he wears. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very complicated situation. Yeah. But um, when it comes to rampant homophobia, though, I've never been more reminded of it than something that happened to me actually a few months ago. And it came from a really unexpected source, too. That's the thing. Like I mean, I was I was fucking shocked. It was from Matt. <laughs> no, no hey, it's fine. It's fine down here as long as you're, you know, as long as it's white and white and black and black. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> Interracial homophobia is a problem. Yeah, that's where they draw the line. <laughs> but it came, like I said, it came from an unexpected source, and it actually came one afternoon when I was at my grandmother's house. <laughs> Your I grandmother. Was- Came came on to you. She's a man. <laughs> like I said, I was shocked. That's from an unexpected source. <laughs> I, and I was I was sitting in the living room. You know, I had, I had been there all day helping her uh, with her garden. You know, uprooting a couple of things. I was waiting to be picked up, so I was just sitting with my grandmother in the living room watching the no- local news. And on the news, they were reporting about a state hearing regarding a new bill that was being passed through Congress, a bill that would legalize gay marriage. And I was watching this intrigued because 
Well, personally, because I had never seen Indiana natives talk about gays without vomiting in their mouths. The newscaster was just turning green the whole time. <laughs> Same <laughs> sex. Marriage. <laughs> We're having technical difficulties. <laughs> then they cut to commercial. <laughs> it's a technical difficulties logo. That's just one of the newscasters puking. <laughs> it's still a cartoon. But, like I said, I was I was intrigued partially because I had never seen them talk about that, but also because I didn't brace myself in time for the result of a public poll that they went to asking whether or not Indiana citizens supported gay marriage. 68% of my state voted no. And even worse than that, only 12% voted yes. Leaving 20 to be undecided. 20 was bi. <laughs> we, could get, we could go either way if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> they were bi bigoted. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, when I saw this, I was, to be honest, I was fucking dying. Like, like it took me off guard, but yet it was just so predictable if you live up here, you know. it's It's just, it's embedded into the fabric of Indiana. If you're homophobic, you're among friends, basically. I I was dying. Like I was I was legitimately laughing at this because it was just it was like wow, classic. But what I didn't notice was that my grandmother, who was sitting beside me the whole time, was slowly turning her head over at me. Like like it was it was fucking unnerving when I finally realized <laughs> what was happening. She gave you drive-by eyes. <laughs> <laughs> she too was deaf. Um, now, now, before I go ahead, keep in mind, my grandmother is about, like, the sweetest woman on the planet. She helped raise me, and I love her to death. So I was understandably shocked when I heard what would come next. Um, she turned to me, and just as I stopped laughing, she gave me, I, I swear, the most serious glare I had ever seen in my life, and said the following. Good. That's the way it ought to be. I, <laughs> uh, I, I just... Now, I was understandably taken aback by that. I mean, I mean, this is my grandmother. She's 74 years old, and up until that point, had never said an unkind word about anybody. But I guess it was just the natural Hoosier blood that got boiling, because when I finally regained my senses and asked what she meant by that, she went off. Well, clearly it's wrong. That's not what the Bible taught. Oh. <laughs> now, keep in mind, most of my family, again, are Jehovah's Witnesses, and she hasn't gone to a single Kingdom Hall meeting in years at that point, which is kind of a requirement of the faith. So, regardless, I, I was just... I was stunned. Like, I, I, I couldn't say anything. Like, I, didn't, I hadn't even prompted her on it again, and she just kept going and going and going on it. I mean, she's, she stood she said, up. <laughs> she, she said, it's not about love anyway. It's just a sex thing. They ought to be ashamed. I'm glad they can't get married. This was my grandmother. Oh. This was the... This, not only was she my grandmother, she, this is the woman that practically raised me from the womb and taught me damn near every moral value I hold dear. She was the one that introduced you to Batman. 
<laughs> she set me on the path. Gather around, children. I shall tell you another tale of the bat. Um, I like this that you slow the realization that your grandmother is a bigot because I feel like I don't know about James, but I come to that realization about the majority of my family many, 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 many years ago. I recently heard a relative of mine say that he hoped that Hurricane Isaac drowned all the queers in Louisiana because that's what they deserve. <laughs> Just because when you think of gay people, you think of Louisiana. Yes. I think my I think my grandmother would actually be very fond of them. <laughs> I mean, it was weird, like, like hearing her say that. Like, apparently, one of her fondest wishes would be to support a hate crime. Why was she saying all this to you? Was she trying like to, <laughs> to send a message? Did she listen to Dork Nights one night and just I, get the I've, wrong idea? I have no idea. I mean, seeing that was like. Honestly, it's like seeing my world turn upside down. Like, like, like hearing her just go off about the gays and how it's just a sex thing. Like, it's, she had to say that a couple times to get. I guess to get the point across. Like, I, I was just, I sat there just stunned the whole time. I, I couldn't argue. I had a similar experience with that sometime last year, where I was with a relative of mine who was. Just one of the nicest people I've ever met. Somebody I really adore. And all of a sudden, uh, one of the kids who are at her house says that something's gay. And she turns him around and gets into like an inch away from his face and says that gay people are sick and they are going to burn in hell. So don't ever use the word gay. Like, what the hell? That cleared up my sinuses. <laughs> And then a deaf man and his son begin brawling on your front lawn. <laughs> and that just, that frustrates me so much because I have people in my family who have very strong opinions on that kind of thing, but they have gay friends, and I don't understand how that works. But, um, I mean, when she said that, I, I just had to let her have it. And not, like, out of cowardice or respect or anything. Like, I was... I was fucking outraged, but deep down I knew there was no arguing against it. Like, I just had to quietly wait out the awkwardness in the room until I could leave. I mean, not because she's right, clearly, but, I mean, that's not the case at all. But the thing is, when a Hoosier sets his or her mind on hating the gays, they will absolutely defend their stance to the death. You cannot shake the foundations of it because they refuse to see logic. They're like the Martin Luther King of homophobes. They they have a dream, and that dream is to never see a man marry another man. <laughs> Not in the goddamn boot state. Uh, they give that speech in front of a Hooters, the straightest place on earth. <laughs> okay, what's weird is I had a similar experience with my grandmother a few weeks ago, but it was the exact opposite. Her and I were talking. I brought up, you know, how I'd like to move, you know, to the city one day because, you know, just there's more things to do. There's restaurants. There's places where you can go and, you know, hear music and things like that. And just casually she brings up, yeah, they have a lot of gay bars down there too. And just gives me a look. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's finally something for me to do. Just in a joking way. And it wasn't until I got home that I realized I, I think she was dead serious. <laughs> Well, you just have that look about you. Yeah, exactly. It's come you to think see. of it, my grandmother never makes jokes. 
I just, I didn't know how to feel. I mean, I was kind of touched. I mean, if that was her way of saying it was okay, then maybe I should be gay. I mean, I have license now, apparently. I mean, technically, you can't make a man pregnant just by liking them, so. True. I would somehow make him make another girl pregnant. <laughs> I get roped into a shotgun marriage. I lose again. <laughs> I, that's that's fascinating. Like like had she ever like made like sort of a suggestion like that in the past? No. Well, she always thought it was funny whenever I had my long hair. She would always tell me that boys aren't supposed to have long hair. That's for girls. Once again, apparently long hair is a sign of being gay. The same way it was in the late 1950s. God. So both of our grandmothers think we're gay. <clears throat> We've got that in common. No, my grandmother doesn't think I'm gay. If she did, I would be dead. <laughs> that's, that's That was her first warning. <laughs> it was. She's going to go but, tomorrow and meet with the Jehovah's Witnesses. They're going to activate my sleeper cell. <laughs> But um, when I told that story, like, that what is what I meant by, like, intolerance, like, hate being sort of something that we have in common. Because, to me, intolerance is not is not so much a southern privilege as it's more like a refined art. Exactly. <laughs> like We're the ones like, who make that shit look good. Exactly. Like, many others try it. Only the South makes it truly unique and truly special. We're like the Apple computers <laughs> of bigotry. I mean, and, and Indiana makes homophobia truly unique and truly special. So It's your only tourist attraction. Pretty much. <laughs> Come see Annapolis and take part in a gay bashing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll give, you, I'll give you that much. I'll say that, yeah, while not as maybe blatant or out there as some of the hate in the South, it is unique in its own manner. I, I won you over. Begrudgingly, I'm begrudgingly one over. Yeah, that's, that's what this entire podcast is, just the two of us trying to convince Matt to allow Indiana into the South. Over my dead body. <laughs> he just he just can't bring himself to interact with the North. Like like this the podcast that we do, like Dort Nights and off panel podcast, like they're just his exercise of hatred. Exactly. I've got so much hate. But um uh, yeah, just to spite you, I would sooner allow Massachusetts into the South <laughs> than Indiana. I guess it's better than deciding to like Mississippi before you go out Indiana down here. No, I will never. Uh, it, allowing Indiana and liking Mississippi are two things that will never happen. <laughs> You're the arbiter our, of such things. Our homophobic dreams are dashed. <laughs> <laughs> they were gay anyway. <laughs> exactly. But uh, speaking of crazy hate northerners, um, I actually have a story about some people from the north who caused a ruckus, quite a ruckus, in uh, my home county of Abbeville County. And before before I get into this, on full disclosure, this is pretty bad. Two people were killed in the events that transpired. I'm letting you know beforehand, you know, the shit got real. I'm noticing a trend here where every one of our stories on this episode has started with disclosure. Yes. Yeah, we waited for you to come on the show to bring everything down. Exactly. <laughs> We're not going to allow you on a fun episode. 
we're going to put you on the episode where shit gets real. Yeah, it was a smart decision because I, I bring everything down. But uh give you some backstory about what exactly happened. Um, there's this highway that runs through my hometown, uh, Calum Falls, and it goes from Athens, Georgia, all the way up to Charlotte, North Carolina. And Highway 72 is what it's called. And for the past, like, 30 years, they've been talking about expanding it from a two-lane highway to a four-lane highway. And they eventually did that. But um, in 2003, they were come to this property in Abbeville, the city of Abbeville. And um, supposedly the they were trying to buy the rights and stuff to work on it, the land outside of it. And this house happened to be owned by these two, by these people. They were originally from New Hampshire. Um, their last name was Bixby. And these people, before they even got to the South, they were crazy. Because in New Hampshire, they had been like, arrested for like, contempt of court, uh, domestic violence. Um, one guy who was born on probation violation, he come to the South on the express purpose of, you know, he come to South Carolina to avoid serving jail in New Hampshire. Because apparently, like, South Carolina will extradite you if, like, if you're wanted for a crime. They're no. China. <laughs> but they won't extradite you to another state if, like, your punishment's, like, less than a year. And this guy for probation violation was going to serve, like, eight months in jail. So they wouldn't, you know, extradite him. There's an epic sequence where Batman comes to capture him. <laughs> he, he takes him back to Rhode Island. Oh, wait, New Hampshire. I'm sorry. I can't remember. Whatever fucking state. There's a note taped to him that says, For Lieutenant Gordon. <laughs> I like that South Carolina is like the South's Alaska. It's the place you go when you're on the run, where no one exactly. can find you. Exactly. You get you get past the Savannah River, and then you're gone. They never hear from you again. But um, these Bixby people, they've been fighting the state, the transportation department, um, everybody, because they was like, no, this is our land. You know, this you can't take it. They call themselves sovereign citizens. Which meant that they were independent onto themselves. They didn't follow any kind of government, supposedly. Uh, I remember this happened. Uh, I was in high school. I remember here. I did, it happened in the morning of December eighth, two thousand three. Um, the sheriff's deputy. He was from Calum Falls. My father went to school with him. Um, black guy. He may or may not have beaten him up at some point <laughs> in high school. What's I'm not your dad? Sure. I assumed he beat him up at some point. Probably. And so he comes to these people's. You know. Uh, door and he knocks on his hey you know uh you know the rules we you know we're gonna i mean we the state has the right we can condemn this i mean it was a small portion of land you get, i went by the house hundreds of times before all this happened been past the house hundreds of times since it it was like maybe a 12 foot total like length of land just a tiny bit of land and these people were so nuts they shot the deputy they shot him in the chest and they drug him inside you know, and he was out on a call, and so they sent another police officer there, um, a guy who was a state constable. And constables sort of like – they're sort of like uh, code enforcement. They do stuff like that. Um, he goes to check up on the guy. Well, they shoot him, they, and they shoot him dead. And what begins in that hey, was – Wait, wait, wait. This is just turning into Return of the Living Dead. I'm just going to grab his radio and say, send more cops. <laughs> I was thinking like like a red state situation. Yeah, that's what, I mean, it's like it's like Ruby Ridge or like the Waco thing. But yeah, like after they shoot this constable, you know, more police come and it turns into this like 12-hour standoff. 
outside this house. This is red state. You've got these, this this Bixby man and his father, his 70-something-year-old father. Are inside this is red guns. state. Um, <laughs> and at the same time, though, this guy's mother, she's at a, a old folks' apartment complex where she was staying. She proceeds to try to take the apartment complex hostage. <laughs> this is red state. She is calling in like she's saying, look, you know, you leave my family alone or I'll kill everybody in this place. <laughs> this lady at the time, like I said, she was in her 70s. <laughs> Why was she threatening them with anything? <laughs> She's going to detonate her oxygen tank. She didn't have any kind of weapons or anything. But, <laughs> but eventually, uh, you know, the police, they get her to surrender and, you know, they get her in custody. And what they proceed to do to take the, you because know, they don't know the guy, the police officer in the house is dead. You know, they know he was shot and he's inside. He's got him hostage. And so, to me, this has been a, a lot of people say this is a questionable move, and especially conspiracy theorists, all this crap that was coming out after the shooting. But the police, they pump about, oh, about 200,000 rounds into the house. For good measure. For good measure, yeah. And somehow or another, I'm not sure how, but the two guys, they survive. <laughs> I mean, the house has turned into Swiss cheese, but it's a miracle they survive. So it's red state. <laughs> so they survive, and so eventually. Like they bust into the house, they you know they use pepper spray, tear gas. They get these guys arrested, and they find the police officer, the deputy, um, dead. They also find shot. Michael Parks. <laughs> but they find like in this house, they find all kinds of militia group stuff, um, like nine weapons, uh, suicide notes, wheels, a bunch of crap about you know militia and states' rights and sovereign rights on the stuff. Question. Mm-hmm. Did they write the suicide notes during the siege, or did they just have them I, on hand? I believe. <laughs> I, just now in case that you they have a bad day. You never know. But I, I, the way it was portrayed in the media is that they, um, yeah, they they wrote them during the standoff just in case, you know. But so these three people get arrested, and as crazy as this is, it gets a little crazier because the main guy, Stephen Bixby, the younger man, the the two couple, their their son, he's like in his forties. This guy from Wilmington, North Carolina, of all places, comes to defend him as his attorney. <laughs> this guy just—he has no like legal background, no legal thing. Is he a protege of Cowboy Bob? <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I can't. I can't confirm that. But um, but no, this guy—I found his name Donald Sullivan. Um, whether or not he stylized himself as Cowboy Donald, I'm not sure. It's assumed. It's assumed. Cowboy Donnie. He, he files. You can only refer to him as Cowboy Donnie for the rest of the episode. Cowboy Donnie, he files what's called a next friend motion because he's saying that this Bixby guy wasn't competent to take care of himself, so he was going to be his like power of attorney. Never having really met the guy, and he just liked the cut <laughs> of his jib. Yeah, I mean that's what happened. The guy like he was watching America's Most Wanted, and he saw them on America's Most Wanted. I was like, huh. It's interesting. I think I'm going to go down there and represent these people. <laughs> and the guy has contact, and I've, he's got a like a website blog. And I've got the blog, say, I'm going to put it in the show notes. But the majority of it is filled with the same, you know, oh, this is conspiracy. You know, these cops were killed by their own people, and they were, you know, the Bixby's were framed. And so here's something he says. All right, this is, quote, the authorities have painted him, Bixby, and his family is near to Wells and extremist, 
always condemning the messenger, not the message. This works every time. It's a very old Jewish technique. End quote. <laughs> Those Jews and their semi-automatic rifles. Yes. And another quote, of course, these media reports are exaggerated and biased. Any help will be appreciated in the mainstream media. They're not interested in getting the true story out. They would rather push bird flu and bury Jew money crimes. <laughs> you start to see a common theme with this guy. And wait, wait, when he defended them, they just – was that like his opening arguments? Yeah. Oh, that's what he wrote on the you know the post. But um, Word for word? Yes, I've got this quote. I've copied and pasted it. I made oh. sure that, you know, I got the actual quotes, you know, just because some of this stuff. And here's, like, the final thing I pulled out that I found very interesting. And it goes, quote, ironically, the state can't play the race card because the first deputy was a large Negro man. <laughs> Negro is spelled, spelled N-I-G-R-A. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. The uh -huh. second of the two, an older white man, was the process server. We got a break on that one, end quote. What? Yeah, so apparently he's saying that, you know, the fact that you know, the other guy killed was white, meaning, you know, they can't paint him as a racist. Boy, that's awful lucky. You members of the Jew-loving jury, <laughs> I'm here to tell you that my client was not a racist because he slaughtered two men of different nationalities. <laughs> now, he doesn't care about them being tried as murderers. He just he cares about the court of public opinion. Yeah, but um, naturally, as you can guess, the judge wouldn't let this guy represent Bixby. Shocking, I know. What with his <laughs> cowboy title. After, after that amazing opening argument, I can't imagine why. So, I think he ends up getting a uh, public defendant and. His parents, apparently, uh, during the trial, they say that they're proud of their son. They say they're proud in his desire to defend his land at any cost. And they categorize the two deaths as collateral damage, quote-unquote. And in, in court, when he's dressing the judge, Bixby says, why did I do it? I didn't do it. The government did it. They started, and if we can't be freer than that in this country, I'd just as soon die. When are people going to wake up and realize you may be next? Why can't we be free to murder police officers who knock on our door? So, you know, naturally, when the, these folks' trials come up, Bixby, he's found guilty on 17 counts, both murders, kidnapping, conspiracy charges. He gets two death sentences. Um, his mother gets, like, 30 years for conspiracy. His father never gets trial because, like, this, if in between, like, the point of the rest and trial, this man goes senile. And or so it seems. So, yeah, Alzheimer's, and he just put in a mental institution. And by 2011, both his parents are dead, and this guy is currently sitting on death row. They can't convict me of a crime I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> is it me, or is this turn from red state to the better version of red state? <laughs> really has. Um, wait, wait. So they gave the guy two death sentences? Yeah, you know, I mean. That's just... Is he Rasputin? He's going to be beaten, clubbed, poisoned, stabbed, castrated. Well, let's hope. His final words are, death is but a window, time is but a doorway. I will return. With the government made me do it. The government made me do it with their jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> their jewelry? No! Their jewelry. He dies. His final words are forever a mystery. 
But, uh, yeah, like I said, he's on death row. Both his parents, they died. I mean, they were already in their 70s when this happened. And I think the mother was, she was almost 80 when she died. So they're both dead. They died in custody. And he, like I said, he's on death row. I don't know when he's going to be executed. but You'll be there. Hopefully. I, keep your fingers crossed. I could get some seats, some front row seats. <laughs> some ringside seats. I've made it a point to attend the executions of every crazy asshole in this area of every brother in arms <laughs> or your name isn't scoop johnson <laughs> uh, i had to go get my press hat gotta go dust it off yeah that's that's kind of the downside of yankees in the south because these people were from new hampshire and like new hampshire their state monitors like live free or die or something and they took that to the extreme I, to me honestly from the way it looks they were just crazy assholes who needed a reason yeah, but this podcast isn't fair, so let's say it's because they were from the North. I have a different theory. It's because they were sick of all the Incredible Hulk jokes from the last 1960. <laughs> you have no idea how hard it's been not to make a Bixby joke. I know. <laughs> any... I, was, I was hoping the, the dude's name was William. Oh, but yeah, any time they walked down the street or something, someone would play the walking away music. <laughs> it drove them mad. <laughs> but yeah, they were assholes. <laughs> or the story they were assholes just go to show you we have proven that all the people from the north are deaf assholes <laughs> homophobic assholes ironically or murderous assholes so really if you think about it they're a lot like us we're not so different after all yes we can find we can find um common ground in our assholishness so matt in addition to Red State 2, the Abbeville version. Yes. <laughs> I heard you had a news story. Yes, I have a news story. Uh, I guess, do you want me to say, you know, it came from the South or whatever? I think I'll let our guests do that. It came from the South. So, yeah, um, this news story comes to us from September 1st. Um, the headline is, Class Reunion Letter List, White Graduates Only Party. <laughs> <laughs> There's become a, been a real whites-only theme with this show. Yes. Um, graduates from St. Martinville, Louisiana, Senior High School, the class of 1973 decided that after nearly 40 years, they would stop holding segregated class reunions. Um, but a letter announcing the change included an after-party for, quote, white graduates only, unquote. Uh, Michael Kramer, who is the principal of the school, said the letter was brought to his attention on Friday morning. It's disappointing to see something like this, he said. The school was really not involved in it at all. On September 21st, a reception will be held at the school, followed by a homecoming football game, which the letter notes all graduates are welcome to attend. After the game, white graduates only are invited to a classmate's home and encouraged to bring a food dish to share. Liza Chance, one of the organizers of the event, told ABC affiliate KATC that the group had originally planned to have separate parties again this year. But then they changed their minds and that the old plans were set prematurely. I don't understand why this went the way it did, she said. And that's the end of the story. So pretty much, you know... We're free to, you know, socialize together at, at the actual thing, but, you know, if you want to have a real party, then you got to be white. I'll talk to you, but I won't bring you to my house. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's or, not the school's fault. It's just 
Steve, you know, it's it's the wife. She just, you know, she gets a little uncomfortable if there's black people around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah she's afraid, you know, they'll, they'll steal something. She starts putting away the china, and it, it's embarrassing for him. It's embarrassing for the guest. Yeah, really, it's embarrassing for Carol. Yeah. She, she, she was mugged one time, but that was a white guy who mugged her. So it doesn't really make sense. He was wearing a ski mask. Her brain just makes that association. <laughs> um, but that actually made me think. Um, I know, obviously, the three of us, especially Alex, going to school. You know, you went to school with black people. But how did your parents – do you know if your parents were in segregated schools or not? Not that I know of. I'm sorry, I don't have a more explosive answer. Damn you. Yeah, my parents went to the white-only school. Yeah, they my dad was such a renegade, he got himself <laughs> shipped off to the black-only school. <laughs> he he started them. playing the blues. <laughs> he, he, he learned the blues, and he taught them how to do math and learn to love each other. <laughs> he was the Michael Rappaport of that school. <laughs> um, but uh, though what I was going to say was, like, my father um, – his first year of kindergarten was like the first time that they integrated elementary school because like in the sixties, like the high school up here, they had uh they they had integrated them back back in the sixties, but they kept the elementary schools segregated until the early seventies. So he was like the first fully integrated class, and maybe that explains a lot of things. Your dad kept beating up the other toddlers, pulling the hair, beating them with the mats, especially the ones with Jerry curls. Yeah. He's throwing blocks at them. <laughs> he ripped a Raggedy Ann doll to shreds. He, bested <laughs> pulled, it. he pulled out a gun and shot it into the air. <laughs> but, yeah, that was this week's, or this month's, or whenever. This time period, this episode's. <laughs> that was this shit. Yes. <laughs> Sorry yeah. it couldn't be. Sorry it wasn't good, but, you know, you, I don't see you doing anything. Well, I have a question. If given the choice... Would you go to the black party or the white? Because I imagine the white party is just boring as shit. Well, <laughs> I'd say the, the the white party they might have nicer stuff, but the black party they've got better food, food and better music. So, and what do you do at the white party? Just listen to Hootie and the Blowfish dance badly. Which is funny because Hootie, of course, was a black man. Now, here's here's a separate question: If you were the only white man there. Would you feel awkward? I'd feel special. I wouldn't really feel too much awkward just because, as I mentioned before, I was often subjugated to classes where I was on the white person. So I'd be right at home. You were subjugated to hanging out with people with a different skin color. Exactly. But where is my parade? Matt is actually 40% black. <laughs> he just doesn't know it. No! What have I become? You just smear bleaching cream all over yourself. I'm a dirty necromancer. I do not want to live. You just drive your car off of a ravine playing Leonard Skinner. <laughs> I'd make sure it was Turn to Sweet Home Alabama first. I want to go out with that song. Turn it up! <laughs> I would already be in hell, so it ain't the actual hell I went to seemed this worse. So do you have another news story? Or? I have maybe one more. I don't know. It's just this one I just wanted to use just because of the guy's name. Honestly, this is from South Carolina, Horry County, South Carolina. This guy. Just to interrupt you for a second, yeah. I love the name of the county just because it's like it's the Horry part of 
the county. Yeah, yeah that's the that's the loose that's loose county. That's where you. That's get. the red light district. Yeah, that's, where you <laughs> that's the brothel county. Yeah, that's what we did. We you know we outlawed prostitution everywhere, but that one county. <laughs> but um, so this guy he was arrested for drug charges, but he was more famous for back in two thousand nine. He uh he started a wildfire in Horry County that started that destroyed like seventy six homes. And what I find so funny about this is the guy's name. He was an arsonist and his name is Mark Torchy. <laughs> it's like Torch with an eye at the end. Yes, Matt, we get the joke. <laughs> I'm just just making let you know how it's spelled. That's all I'm saying. Alright? Because it could be spelled a variety of ways, so fuck you. Well it's not funny if it's spelled with a Y. <laughs> that's true i'll give you that um but apparently he was he was arrested last week because he was possessing and manufacturing bath salts no so i would love to see what kind of damage this guy could do on bath salts oh God. you you don't even know like like that could be the next potential zombie outbreak <laughs> with arsonist fire. zombies oh my the God. one thing but... we never saw coming <laughs> Instead of brains, it's flames. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's on bail and he celebrated apparently by starting a fire. So <laughs> it was yeah. just a small fire. He invited yeah. some friends over. It's an intimate thing. Yes, exactly. He only invited his white friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrifying supervillain team up if you think about it. I mean, you've got Torchy the arsonist, my favorite Sesame Street character. Yeah. You've got him, you've got Bixby and his clan. I mean, they team up with their combined resources, funneled by the Jehovah's Witnesses. They could take out the Mormons in just one fell swoop. But there's something you forget. The um, the underdogs in this fight, no one, no one gives a chance that I think could win. The Pentecostals. Ah, oh, we never factor in the Pentecostals. We would, we would summon a horde of angels with our speaking in tongues. <laughs> Like your women jump out of helicopters. They don't need parachutes because they have those skirts. <laughs> and once the three factions wipe themselves out, the Branch Davidians arise and rule over the ruins. And then don't forget the last group, the angry deaf people. That wouldn't be too hard to take out. Just walk behind them with guns. No, 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 no. You don't understand. Their fury fuels them. They, they become bulletproof. <laughs> just, just the mountains echo with the battle cry of In twenty years, <laughs> that sound will chill us all to the bone. Just the Amish have gone underground. They've had it up to here with us British. <laughs> <laughs> they've uh, they, they they've adopted technology only so much as so they've created a pitchfork gun. <laughs> well, they have a giant wooden drill they use to burrow into the earth. They become mole people. <laughs> It's insanely hot down there, but they still wear the all-black outfits, covering up every inch of skin. Because they don't want temptation down there, isolated from the world. In the distance, you see Flexo hunting them. <sighs> I mean, what kind of rum springer do you have when you're a mole man? Where are you going to go to party? The Earth's core? I mean, maybe there's some <laughs> reptile people out there. Have you seen The Matrix? Like, they they throw a badass party <laughs> in the middle of the Earth. Oh, God, now I'm thinking of Amish orgies. Amish uh, orgies. Those would be the most boring orgies of all time. Instead of dancing, they're all just nodding their head in unison. 
Yes, yes, good. <laughs> have sex in layers. <laughs> they just dry them. Then later on, they exchange underwear, and that's how they reproduce. <laughs> magic underwear. Yeah, the Amish will have inherited the Mormons' magic underwear, because those things are indestructible. Like, after the Jehovah's Witnesses unleash their nukes, the underwear is the only thing left of the old world. <laughs> underwear and cockroaches, that's all. But you weird. can only put it on if you're worthy. I mean, if you're unworthy and you try to lift that underwear off, it's like fused to the ground. And fighting both sides, Southern Batman. <laughs> Who has time-traveled to this era. He's needed most. No, 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 no. Uh, he's he's just immortal because he's, he's Southern Batman. He's fallen through time. He's fallen through time. <laughs> well, have you enjoyed your, <laughs> have you enjoyed your guest spot on Below the Bible Belt, Alex? It's it's been interesting. It's been a lot of things. We aim to please. I, it's it's kind of weird because I'm so used to listening to the podcast. It's like half the time I just wanted to sit back. I forgot I was even on it. You listen to the podcast. Now you are the podcast. It's like a choose your own adventure story. <laughs> I've become a part of a singularity. <laughs> <laughs> a southern singularity. It's like the never-ending story. Yeah, that's right. I dropped a never-ending story reference. Deal with it. I hated that film. There, I dropped that. Below the Bible Belt no more. For real Good. this time. Good. Deaf asshole. At least I was here for the end. You brought ruin upon our house. You broke us. Me and my homophobia. We can only take so many types of hate. That one hate pushes over the edge. Until the South rises again, I am James. I'm Matt. And I'm Alex. No, you don't get to say nothing. You're a Yankee. <laughs> You're a Yankee. That's all you know. Know your say. place, Alex. Yes. Like like every carpetbagger, I force my way in. Damn it. He's got us there. And you've just been below the Bible belt. Basically, what we've been trying to say this entire podcast is if you want to be me, be me. And if you want to be you, be you. There's a million ways to be. Da, 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 da. Matt, join me. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Ah, oh, fuck you. I don't know. Well, I didn't get the reference. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I'm in the dark, too. So It's a song. Well, I know it's a song. I, I, <laughs> I gathered that much. What would you sing in it? <laughs> <laughs> Asshole.